comes louder. He's one on one with Hemsley, and Hemsley blocks it. Mitchell spins on Childs, and one. Cal up top, Shepard. Shepard was asking for it for three. Watson, and a foul! This is a clinic. This is Aztec basketball. Go. Aztec Nation, what is up? It has been a minute. This is the Aztec Breakdown Podcast. We're back after a week-long hiatus. I'm your host. My name is Trone. I'm joined here by Kyle Kinslow. Kyle, how's it going? It's going pretty good, man. Glad to be back. Just like Aztec basketball. Just like Aztec basketball is back and in more ways than one because they were back against Boise technically, but they were, Ugh. they were garbage. And listen, it was, it was expected, right? At least I expected it, right? Like just doing all the research into how teams look after COVID pauses and stuff. And we talked about it in regards to Colorado state too, that like, we probably would have beat him anyways, but maybe not by 30. So like I was expecting it to look gross. I don't think I expected it to look that gross, but, and then, but then UNLV is the, the, the cure to all ales. They are the, the master cure. They are the, the fountain of youth. They are the, uh, the Lazarus pit for the comic book fans out there. They just cure everything apparently. So their Aztec basketball is back and we are back too. If you don't already, Follow the show. We're on iTunes. We're on Spotify. We are on iHeart. We're on all the places. You can follow Kyle on Twitter at Call Me Kinslow. You can follow me on all the major social media things at Aztec Breakdown. Um, you can find us on Patreon if if you are in a giving mood and want to subscribe for just like a dollar a month. You don't get anything extra. I don't put anything on the Patreon. It's just if you want to be nice. If if you would like to send a monetary thank you for what we do it is it is greatly appreciated um i think that is everything like comment subscribe all the good stuff kyle i mean we're just talking about it boise state the game was was ugly and i think i'm going to defer more so to you on this one because i had some stuff going on i was only able to watch the last probably seven or eight minutes um and I have it recorded, but I haven't been able to go back and like watch it frame by frame and see everything that was going on. Uh, but it was it was ugly. Even the parts I saw, which were apparently oh the good parts, it was ugly. So so what do you I got? Mean, I know you had some thoughts. <laughs> the the first thing that that really stood out was I think the first three possessions we like dribbled it off our foot, stepped out of bounds, and offensive foul. Like it was horrendous. You know, the Aztec tradition of standing and clapping until we make mm-hmm. a basket. Mm-hmm. We did we, like we made, reached a media timeout without scoring. Like, yeah, that's the first time that's ever happened, I think. Um, and that's my biggest takeaway. Your starters are usually your best team. Now, I don't think our starting five is the best five we can put on the court. But clearly, that's not my call. I'm not the head coach. Um they didn't score in the first five minutes for the, like basically the media timeouts at around five minutes of, of action, right? They didn't score in the first half when the media timeout happened and they didn't score in the second half when the media timeout happened. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know if I've seen that happen once, let alone twice and in the same game. And this 
to me, it was a case of Boise State was less than we were because in an average night, we smacked that team by 20. And I tweeted it out after last night's UNLV game. I'm willing to bet if we played them on Saturday in Viejas, the bookies would have us at about an eight or nine point favorite as opposed to five that it was last week. So really, we were an absolute mess. We looked like a team that hadn't played for two weeks that kind of just broke all the rhythm and the momentum that we had before the break happened. Um, and Boise, you know, they ran their offensive sets. They looked in rhythm. They were bad because we forced them to be bad. There was a very big difference in, in the way that we played. And first game, I think I can remember where the refs didn't call anything. And I think being the extremely aggressive attacking the basket, the way that we were in that game, that really hurt us because we missed a lot of layups that normally we'd be getting fouls called for and forcing Boise to take jump shots. It, it was a recipe for success. It's just, we were, we were a hot, hot mess. And I do want to give some credit to Boise. Like I said, I didn't watch the game, so maybe it's, maybe yes. I would give too much, but Boise is a good defense. They are top 10 in Ken Palm in in their adjusted defensive rating right now so they are a good defense and they you know I, we've talked on the show before about how if i was going to coach a team uh i would want it to be kind of like usc was this year with all the length and the athleticism mm -hmm. right and boise state has a lot of that too i think they start four players that are six seven or taller right mm -hmm. so they have they have a lot of that going on but also like covid definitely mm -hmm. played a part in that Right. So it's, uh, it's, they were doing some very simple things on defense mm -hmm. that I don't think we're used to seeing. And it destroyed us. They were playing drop coverage on every single pick and roll for, for those of you that don't understand what that is. Essentially both guys are going under the screen and daring the guy who's coming with the ball to shoot a jump shot. And in many cases, that's Trey, uh, in that game, they were dropping hard versus Matt Bradley, basically going, take a pull up off the dribble jump shot, please. And, you know, Matt, he's he's he found his rhythm in the last game and the game before doing catch and shoot threes mm -hmm. or isolation in the post. That's his bread and butter. He's gotten rid of a lot of that dribbling too much mid range pull up stuff. He's gotten he's taken at least dropped those numbers significantly. And in this game. They were basically daring him to do that and it killed us. So I, I, I definitely think that they're a tough matchup size wise, but if we just make a few extra layups For sure. and get, get like the home whistle was non-existent. Like uh, we weren't in the bonus. I don't think we were in the bonus in, in the first half. I think we shot like two free throws in the first half or something like that. And, it was just an all around think they were in the bonus in the second half either. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't remember. think they were either, which that's in, incredible, right? Just the fact that that was the case. The, the player that I think was impacted the most was Trey Pulliam. He was, it was the point where like, I thought we needed to pull him and sit him down after five minutes in the second half. He just, he was a step slow. He was making untray like plays 
Trey doesn't make stupid decisions. That's one of his biggest strengths. He's very conservative. If it's mm-hmm. a, if it's, if it's a bad play, it's, Trey trying to force something at the end of the shot clock. In reality, that's not really a bad play. It's because we don't have any better options. Mm-hmm. So he was just, he had a couple of like open court turnovers against Boise. Um, there was one, there was one play where he had an offensive foul. And then on the next play, he uh, turned the ball over in transition, throwing it behind like Seiko, who was very clearly covered. So it's just, it was a rough game and he absolutely bounced back last night um, against UNLV in, in a game we'll talk about soon. But yeah, like I had all of these points. I literally was about as frustrated as, as a fan could be after the game. I wrote all these notes down for our show on Tuesday and sure enough, I saw that game last night and said, we need to give him a break because clearly <laughs> Clearly, clearly a a huge factor was COVID. Like I know that Boise seems to play us tough every now and then, but when you go from scoring, what was it? 14 points in the second half to we had like 14 points in the first three minutes of the second half last night. Like it was insane. I mean, there was, yeah, you you guys all watched the, the highlight reel three set play, uh, Lamont Butler in traffic dunk KJ open court from a little, I wish he would have just jumped a little bit further away. Cause he could have got that free throw line in game dunk. And then my take of best in game dunker would have been like cemented forever. But then, so he hit that. And then Lamont did the windmill, like mm-hmm. clean windmill too. Uh, and then like VA house was rocking. And I was, I looked at Erica and I said, yeah, that's game. They're not coming back. No. Um, but it was just very sloppy, very un-Aztec like. And the the one thing though that I do want to point out, we had six out of the timeout possessions when we had the ball or something like that, where we got to come into the huddle, whether it be like the refs were looking at something or whatever against Boise. I think it was either five or six, and we didn't score one point off of those plays, including the end of the game where that, I don't know what happened there because that was not what they drew up. <laughs> There's, it, it wasn't. Now, yeah, finish. I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. So it just kind of seemed like everything was out of sorts from the players to the coaching staff. The rotations were different. I know I'm realizing, and we'll talk about this when we talk about UNLV, but Chad is ever more important to this team as the season goes along and his ability to figure out where he fits in is the biggest difference between when they don't didn't play well earlier in the year to when they're blowing teams out by 25, like they have two of the last three games. So, and he did not play against Boise as pretty sure it was just kind of like a healthy preliminary scratch. Like he wasn't feeling, he probably, he was suited. He was warming up. He looked like he wanted to play, but, it, it could have been one of those things where, you know, just don't risk it, right? It's a game. It's one game after a, a two-week-long break. You're going to get another game on Monday. And I'm assuming if if you, he's only going to play one of those two games because of his sickness, 
you put him on the second to give him an extra day rest. And he looked great against Vegas. So yeah. Talk to me about the, uh, the ATO plays or whatever you had for that. Yeah. Yeah. So the only one I, I, I saw, I think was probably that very last one that you had just mentioned. And it was a play that was drawn up to get Adam Seiko an open three point look was, was the goal there. And I think somebody in the post game asked, Dutch about it and he'd mentioned that it was it was drawn up for Seiko but it was just another one of those times where Boise between their skill and their length and their athleticism and then you also mentioned like the refs weren't calling anything which lets them play even more physical and it let us play more physical too but you know lets them play even more physical they just they absolutely blew up the entire thing and there was like nowhere to go and so it just became you know get your ball to your best player and hope he can, he can do something. And then, and then Matt Bradley, he was ISOed. I don't remember who it was on, but I knew the guy was like three or four inches taller than him. And I was like, I, I do not like this. This is going to be ugly. And then I think he airballed it. Yeah, it was bad. So, it, yeah. I mean, eventually it ended up in like Lamont's hands in the corner, the, the worst place you can have the ball on the basketball court. If you're an offense, um, and yeah, it, that was that was a rough end of the game, especially because at the end of the game on the other end, we played great defense and they just hit a ridiculously deep shot. I mean, mm-hmm. we're talking Lamont had his hand in his face, contested. Bang. And that's, you know, you tip your cap to Boise. That was yep. that's a huge shot that they hit. You know, let's be honest. That's their biggest program win in probably five or six years. Um, and that's something that, you know, you just got to live with as a basketball fan. And and this is, yes, on Saturday was something that we've never experienced before. You know, a, a two-week break in, in the middle of the season that was unplanned, where your players could not be together. Uh, and, you know, we had a huge – I was reading the, the Mountain West rules on the COVID protocols and – Good luck trying to decipher that nonsense, but um, <laughs> it seems to me it's like if you can't field a team, you have you immediately have to enter the two week break, and so that would tell me it's a combination of COVID plus injuries. Um, and I know we had a couple of guys that had like a little bit of of some minor injuries, so I'm wondering if the staff just said, you know what, let's just not make this worse than it is, and instead of trying to force it, let's play it safe. And I think playing it safe in the COVID environment is never a bad option. Let's uh, move on here. Let's, let's, let's get some, yeah, let's, some talk, joy, let's be happy. Some joy in our yeah. lives. Let's be, let's be happy for what, so I actually, so let's, let's take it back here for, for one second. You had said something, you know, we have never seen this before and you might've seen me tweet this. I looked up um, the, the Boise state game and the the adjusted offensive rating so if Boise was an average defense how many points would the Aztecs have scored that game again in 100 possessions right and I looked it up on barttorvik.com which goes back to 2008 that Boise State game was the worst offensive game going back through the 2008 season the worst so that's just to reinforce right yeah, like, yeah, that's something yeah. we have never seen before it's a it's it's a pretty fluky thing it was like 20 points worse than like the usc game or something ridiculous like that right which was also a bad, bad offensive game but it just yeah just to, to put some some perspective 
onto it. Um, switch that to the UNLV game and the team, I, it, Kyle, I'm telling you, going into that game, I, I wrote the preview for Mountain West Wire for San Diego State UNLV. And I had wrote that, you know, the Aztecs defense is still looking great. And the Aztecs basically beat UNLV on defense the first time because they didn't have point guards. So that wasn't a great offensive game. Uh, so the Aztecs should win, but it will be a low scoring game. UNLV won't score because the defense is too good. The Aztecs will be probably a little bit better, partially because they have a game, partially because UNLV isn't Boise State defensively. I think the score I predicted was like 58 to 52 Aztecs win, something like that. And then these guys come out and they drop 80 on UNLV. And it was, it was just, it was a great turnaround. And the research says the COVID drop is supposed to last two to three games. And that was the second game back. And I, at one point I tweeted at somebody, I was like, is this, is this them still suffering from the COVID drop or, or did they just kick it, kick it earlier? Cause if this is them still suffering, the league is being put on notice right now. So, so tell, tell us about UNLV and what your thoughts were. Yeah. Uh, my, I couldn't go to the game, unfortunately, which first home game versus UNLV I've missed since I've had season tickets. Uh, I like beating UNLV better than any other program in the conference um, more than New Mexico, just because we, you know, we, the tournaments there, they have that huge advantage. There was a couple of years where they were really good. And then they've just fallen off the map. Uh, as far as the UNLV game, a couple of things really stand out. Trey and Lamont switching roles on offense uh it's something that i recognized a little bit versus boise because uh trey was having one of his worst game maybe his worst game as an aztec uh and and true trey fashion bounced back big in this one awesome but there were it, normally lamont plays the two when they're on the court mm -hmm. and in this game you had them kind of interchanging Mm -hmm. which I think is how if we want to play them both, which I'm not convinced that playing them both at the same time is the way to go. But if you're going to play them both, having that dual role where they kind of share responsibility, it, I think that's absolutely the way to go. Uh, Lamont does not have the point guard brain yet uh, in terms of looking to distribute as his primary function. And maybe that's never going to be the way he plays, but having that, intertwined between you know a guy who's super aggressive when he's got the ball versus someone who's looking to facilitate that's a really good mix i think it's very kind of it, it levels out the the offense right you because it what it does is when lamont's playing you know running the offense moving a little bit faster we're trying to break a little bit quicker we're trying to do things a little bit fat uh, a little bit you know more efficiently uh, attacking the basket versus Trey. We're running our set offense, uh, a lot of pick and roll open shots. So there's, there's definitely varying degrees. And I, it was the first time that I really saw the hybrid backcourt that they, that I think we should be playing moving forward. Um, you know, me, everyone who knows me, I think the sooner we give Lamont the keys, the better we'll be, but Trey's here and, and he's, he's one of our best players. So we got to use him, Right. Um, and then the other thing was, switching against that team 
incredible. Uh, they cannot handle a five-man lineup that can switch everything. You saw moments where Mensa was playing great defense on Bryce Hamilton, mm-hmm. and Bryce Hamilton had a nice game. Mm-hmm. He is really this year, and this is not just this game. This is something that I've noticed this year. He's really improved his catch-and-shoot percentage, or at least it feels like it. Um, he's taking, he still takes bad shots, but I feel like he takes less bad threes this year. I think he does a lot of like contested twos still that I hate, but I just feel like he's a lot less bad grammar, Kyle from the perimeter. Um, and so we really just said, you know, Hey, if he's going to beat us, let him beat us. No one else is scoring and Mm -hmm. no one else did. So just a, just a prototypical Aztec defense. Uh, a huge bounce back game. And I don't believe a team in conference has scored 60 on us. I don't think I'm wondering how many times a team has scored 60 on us this season. I think it was like Michigan and USC and that's it. Uh, I think it's since the Michigan game, no team has scored more than 57. I'm going to see if I can look it up real quick here, but I believe that is, what it is yeah 57 is the most points that any team has scored since the loss to michigan and that was done by uc san diego yeah so that that was one thing right the the backcourt interchangeability the defense rounding out to form and then the last thing that i want to comment on before i pass there is this lineup that's this, this two-man game that I talked about previously between Baker and a rope, when the two of them are on the court together, things happen. A rope is turning out to be a better small ball five. That He's basically what I thought KJ would be if KJ took a leap defensively this year. But KJ hasn't. And a rope's post-defense on these bigger guys is as good as you could coach it. And he makes up for that size with really good positioning, really good work rate. He uproots the defense of the offensive guys. So if you're on the block, a rope's basically trying to make him uncomfortable by making his base of his base of defense lower than the, the guy who's receiving the ball, which sometimes forces the guy to go a little bit further out than he wants to be. And so I'm noticing a lot of times they're trying to go over a rope, but their shorts, their shots are short because they're a little bit further out than what they're used to shooting it at. Um, and so that's huge. Only negative for the game that I have Mensa was a straight up black hole. I don't think he passed the ball once after receiving it in the post. And I don't have a problem with that per se, because it's one game, but if that's a trend, that's a trend that I do not like. That is, you know, I hadn't thought about that. I would have to go back. I do have the UNLV game recorded. I have to go back and watch it. It would, like you said, it's not a problem for one game. I would have to go back and see the situations, right? The decision-making is he, is he not passing it because he has a solid matchup? And he can, you know, he thinks he can, he can take his guy. If not, then sure, shoot it, right? Like at that point, the ball is deep in the paint. So might be okay. If it's not, if he has a bad matchup or if he gets doubled or something, obviously he should, he should pass it out. Or, you know, if he, if he gets the ball, I would like to see them run more like stuff on the weak side. So like Mensa has the ball down in the post and there's some other action, some flare screen or something going on 
on the opposite side of the court. I don't think they do that because I think they want Nathan's reads to be as simple as possible, but that, that would be my, my qualifier there. I, uh, I agree about a rope. A rope has been huge defensively. And I think a couple pods ago, I issued a formal apology to a rope because preseason we were like, a rope might be the guy that has to sit out with all this other talent that's here, right? Um, so I issued that formal apology. I, I would say this. I would say you're right that he's he's been great defensively, whether it's as a power forward, I think is what he's normally playing at. But yeah, if like Mensa and Tomajic and Diabate are sitting, he's the five. I would say, I, I do think Keyshawn Johnson has taken a step forward defensively, but it's not so much as a big, it's the mm-hmm. defensive perimeter skills, right? Yeah, when, sure. When Johnson and a rope are on the floor together, you a want a rope. Five. You want a rope at that five, right? And especially because he's so good at it, like you just said, whereas jo- that lets Johnson get out and play those passing lanes and do that stuff that, you know, that dunk he had last night, that was a steal out on the perimeter, right? And then he was just able to run with it and dunk it. And that was, that was absolutely beautiful. I, I also love the, the Baker, a rope combination. I love throwing Johnson in there too. Um, all three of them. That's just a lot of length, a lot of athleticism. I wrote about that before on aztecbreakdown.com. If you haven't read it, go, go check it out. It was just, it was, it was a very smooth game last night. Offensively, the defense was in UNLV's head. They looked very frustrated last night. Like just, they couldn't do anything right, which is nice to see as a fan. Like it's nice to see your team having that effect on another team, you know, that they can't, they can't do anything. Um, that, that team, man, they don't have a single good player other than Bryce, like not one. There yeah. isn't one player on that team that I'd go, you know what? Other than Bryce. Cause I think Bryce, Ooh. you know, he can score, but if you said, give me player X from UNLV or player Y from SDSU, there isn't one that I'm picking over a state player other than, other than Bryce. We're talking one through two through 11, 12, like, that program is in trouble, man. Like they, they're down. I know. Oh, they have a couple of good wins. Yeah. Against San Jose state twice and air force, like congratulations. You're the third worst team. It's, it's frustrating, man. Cause the league is better when UNLV is good, when the mm-hmm. Aztecs are good. And when New Mexico is good, those are the three biggest, you know, nationally known programs and two out of those three aren't just bad. They're terrible right now. And so, ah, man, it's frustrating, but frankly, I don't care. We've beaten them. I think it's 19 out of the last 21 times, which ridiculous friends do not let anyone on UNLV Twitter say anything to you. That is (laughs) just put 19 to 21. Like that's it. That's the stat. And I think that, you're looking at a team that we've beaten them twice. And the way we've beaten them both times, the first time was one of my favorite Aztec games ever, because I thought we were going to struggle. And we really just said, we're doubling down on what makes the Aztec program. Great. Which is on ball white knuckle defense, press the living snot out of them. That was the Adam Seiko big time game. Maybe his best game as an Aztec. And we did the same thing this game. I remember the second half, it was two minutes in and we were full court pressing. And I was just like, I love it. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. 
we've just got a mental thing like that. We know that team can't beat us. And I love it because you play with a little bit of swagger. You get the crowd going. It's just it's just a a winning combination. So I'm excited, but it's kind of one of those things. I'm worried that while I might have overreacted to COVID, now I'm overcorrecting Uh as uh as a result of beating UNLV. Right. Um, and so we'll see where we're at. I think next Monday versus Utah state, who by all accounts is, is having a down well, year too. Utah state is tomorrow. I think. Oh, for I thought us, it was on Monday. It's on Wednesday. I'm pretty sure. Which is like today it, for most of the listeners, Wednesday, January 26th is Utah state. Oh, I yeah. was wrong. Do they play Can again at home on Monday? Yeah, 